Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Dad. J.J., let me say something, and let me see if you understand. Go. Crucial catch. Yes, I am. <laughs> you have misunderstood. <laughs> you're looking at me and you're saying those words, and I'm saying, yes, I am. <laughs> that is a man with high self-esteem, and yet you do not understand the intent of my statement. Let's try again. Okay. Strike one, by the way. Okay. Crucial catch. Sea bass. Like I no. think about like fishing boat and strike two. Oh crud. <laughs> Crucial catch. Crucial catch. Like when Jerry Rice caught the touchdown at that one game. <laughs> Isn't that the sports balls? That's kind of the closest that you got, but yeah. you're way off. Okay. And you're going to shake your head when I say it because it's so obvious. Okay, go. I am talking about the importance of ladies getting screened for breast cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what but, I'm talking about. Okay. I mean, okay. I still think it's referring to me, but go ahead. <laughs> JJ, what I'm giving you an example of uh -huh. is a complete waste of money in advertising. Yes. And here's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. I'm watching the NFL earlier in the season, and several weeks in a row, painted in the end zone are the words, crucial catch, uh -huh. followed by these kind of rainbow stripey kind of things. And I think to myself, that looks like the old Polaroid logo. I wonder if Polaroid is making digital cameras now, if they're trying to sell film, what's going on? I said to Betsy, that's a waste of money. They should say buy more Polaroid cameras or something that's clear, yeah, yeah. not crucial catch. Because obviously some executive sent around at some table and said, nobody wants to miss the shot. They should catch the shot. Yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Three weeks later, I find out, no, crucial catch has nothing to do with Polaroid or selling cameras. It is a breast cancer awareness campaign <laughs> that either they spent millions on or got yeah. free advertising from yeah. the NFL somehow. That they got millions of tax credit for it. And it, the full line is crucial catch intercept cancer. And they used half the line in the end zone. Now, here's what drives me crazy, and yeah. everybody who works at StoryBrand yeah. goes nuts about this stuff. If you'd have just painted the end zone pink uh -huh. <laughs> and said, ladies get screened for breast cancer. Yeah. You'd have a lot more ladies getting screened for breast cancer. Yeah. Or even just promise us you'll get screened for breast cancer. Then you have volunteers at every gate handing out cards, and they'll say, I can only give you this card if you promise to get screened for breast cancer. Yeah. Just that campaign. Yeah. Would have had millions of women getting screened for breast cancer. Oh, yeah. And probably saved thousands. I'm not kidding. Thousands and thousands of lives. Yeah. But instead, some ad agency somewhere <laughs> ripped off whoever it is that wants ladies to be screened for breast cancer by saying, well, you know, it is football. And in football, what do they do in football? They catch, catch balls. And they intercept things. Yeah. And like, you know, I've heard somebody once say, that was a crucial catch. But how can it be more crucial than getting caught breast cancer? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Sue them. Yes. Sue yes. the company on behalf of women everywhere who could have been screened for breast cancer. It actually yeah. makes me angry. Yeah. And we see it all the time. Yeah. And I say that to say to our listeners, you're probably doing the same thing on your <laughs> dumb website. <laughs> you probably are saying something that's so vague, using such inside language, and is so confusing that nobody understands what it is that you offer. Yeah. And you got to stop. Yeah. And if you Please. want us to help you figure out how to stop doing that nonsense, 
sign up for our workshop at storybrand.com, <laughs> and we'll teach you how to do it. So here's what I'm going to ask listeners to do. I want you to find this nonsense. Find it on billboards. Find it in television commercials. Find it in radio commercials. Find it on websites. I want you to take a picture of it, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you got to do, and hashtag marketing money pit. <laughs> and if you want to not fall in the marketing money pit, we have a resource for you at marketingmoneypit.com yes. that will help you to not make these kinds of mistakes. These behemoth ad agencies are yeah. wasting people's time and money. I know, you're going to get really mad. Well, I'm down. already mad. I know. But I'm trying to calm myself down. There's no better way to calm down, though. How do you like this for a transition? Go. Did a lovely I'm, I'm conversation with Brian Miles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brian Miles runs a company called Belay. They're at belaysolutions.com. And he has indirectly changed my life. He has. No, he, I'm going to say directly. <laughs> yeah, I, he really has. I had an assistant five years ago. She was my assistant for eight years. Her name was Tara Brown. She could not be replaced. Yeah. And so I built a whole company. To replace her. <laughs> basically to yeah. replace her. But I never really replaced her. No. Uh -uh. And I thought, you know, it's time. I've got a lot going on. And I needed also an assistant who could be both professional, help me with story brand, and an assistant who could help me do personal things. Mm -hmm. And I don't like calling anybody at StoryBrand and asking for anything personal. It just doesn't feel right to me. So I went to Brian Miles, who has 450-some-odd virtual assistants. You yeah. can hire part of their time. And I thought, okay, I hope this works. I was really worried because I was afraid I was going to have a micromanager for a long time and help her understand things and blah, blah, blah. That never happened. No. I consider her on staff. Yeah. The day she came on staff, everything has been great. Yep. She does things for me like scheduling appointments. She actually goes through my email. She knows how to say no to the things that people request. Will you read my book and write the endorsement? Things like that. Yeah. <laughs> and she knows how to say yes to the right people already. I have to get a haircut every five weeks. I hate going on the website where I get my haircut <laughs> and, and get an appointment. She just schedules it every five weeks. Literally, I emailed her today. I know. I probably go to the dry cleaners twice a week. It costs me about an hour a week to do that. Can you see if there's a dry cleaner who will come to my door and pick up my dry cleaning and then just, drop it yeah. off later in the week? She emailed back, here are your three options. <laughs> and now I don't go to the dry cleaners yeah. anymore. So even that is saving me. I want a Melissa. Well, I know who you need to talk to. <laughs> yes, yeah, we have the person. <laughs> However, a lot of us have assistants. A lot of us have personal assistants. A lot of us have people who work with us. And we're not actually getting the most out of the relationship. No. And you know, if we can help organize their time and organize their thinking – exponential productivity can occur. Yeah. And I thought, what better person to sit down and talk to about my new personal assistant than the person who gave me that personal assistant yeah. and who has 450 other ones. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian Miles, we actually were at his house in Atlanta, Georgia, had some time with him, and we're able to talk to him about this. And I think if you have anybody working for you, this is going to be a terrific conversation. Yeah. I'm not going to waste any more time. Here is my conversation with Brian Miles. Brian, welcome. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. You're going to help us with a lot. A lot of people, I think, who are listening to this podcast, they're starters. They can be a little bit micromanagers, visionary. They know how to get things going. Things are working out. They don't know how to let go. Yeah. They want to, but they're uncomfortable doing it. Right. And today's podcast is all about really how to make the most of a relationship with a personal assistant. Yeah. yeah. I want to start out, though. You have a list of a few things that we should not be doing. If you have a million-dollar company, half-million-dollar company, quarter-million-dollar company, 
and you're beginning to hire people, there are certain things that you shouldn't be doing. Respond to email. Yeah. You being serious? I'm dead serious. Our company's five going to 10 next year. Yeah. I still respond to email. Yeah. You know, there's oftentimes a CEO or a founder of a business, their email becomes the router. They're yeah. really not the ones doing the work. Right. You know, so they're, they're doing air traffic control on that thing. That's it. I mean, they're spitting off to the people that need to execute. So they do not need to be in their email responding to it all the time. Give me an example. How do you deal with email? You get an email from somebody saying, hey, Great meeting you today. Can we get together? Yeah. So my assistant is in my inbox. She is our air traffic controller, specifically for my inbox. I get about 100, 150 emails a day. Wow. I probably replied in maybe 25 that I have to. She puts it in a certain box and you respond. Well, to we that. have rules. So there's filters that kind of, you know, populate in certain folders for certain things, you know, whether it's a base current project internally or, you know, like LinkedIn messages. That's another one right. where she's out looking and people want to have a lunch or whatever. She's just kind of orchestrating all of that. And the other 125, she's dealing with it, answering questions. Absolutely. You have to be responsive, right? Because you communicate all the wrong things when you don't respond. Right. So you have to keep responding. But, you know, it's like, hey, thank you for your email. You know, the better person inside our organization is, you know, Lisa. She runs. Does she respond as herself or for you? Both. So, so sometimes she, she'll actually pretend to be you. Yeah. Or on behalf of, you know, right. there's that kind of function as well. Or internally, it's like, hey, it's Paige. Let me just run with this. You know, and they're like, okay, cool. And they, you know, my team knows, all my employees know that Paige is an extension of who I am. Right. So right. she can reply because we're working together. Okay. Another thing we should not have are two separate calendars. Yeah. This you should is have a, a professional and personal calendar. Yeah. I know that we've probably been taught that you overlay a personal calendar over a professional calendar, but you're one person. You should have one calendar. The mm. truth is you have a dentist appointment in the middle of the day. You've got soccer practice at 5.30 at night. Right. You've got a very important you know, board meeting. You've got Time to is no appreciator of your professional That's career. That's right. Yeah. And so the more you're really honest about your schedule, you'll be able to manage the tension of that. And so we just say, lose two calendars, go to one, be religious about it. Your wife and you are on the same calendar so she can see. Oh, yeah. Your assistant has. can see when your wife has booked something. Yeah. So that, we have, that was a thing for us. Somebody would book something and Betsy was like, no, 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 no. No, absolutely. I mean, we have visibility and she has her own separate calendar. I have my own separate calendar, but in terms of Brian being a professional calendar and a personal calendar, it's all one. Okay. Another thing, don't see your assistant as an assistant. Yeah, this I is like a this biggie. One. So the old school days of having an assistant parked outside your door or, you know, in some cubicle and just asking for coffee, you know, or running and getting some papers or your dry cleaning is over. Right. The truth is you need to see them as an extension of who you are as a leader. And the more you can pave the way for her, the better. How do you do that? It's a long on-ramping. So how did you set her up to have agency, mm -hmm. to have power, to kind of be an extension of you? One, we had a clear conversation before we ever got started. This is how I see your role. Okay. You're an extension of who I am. And that's important at the beginning oh, because right it's almost like once somebody thinks their job description is this, they can't get out of it. Yeah, they can't go I, back. And I wanted to elevate her because the truth is she was going to be calling family members friends, you know, professionals, you know, people that I want to network with, you know, high profile people, like I needed somebody that just could kind of do all of that. And so right. I just set the expectation. I'm seeing you as my work alongside partner. That's a big thing for your mind too, not oh, just for her understanding for you to say, this is not an assistant. This is a extension of things that I would do today. Oh. I now need to split the workload. I'm one of the most productive people I know because I set this up. I am four to five times who I am because of her involvement. Okay, you're going to have to explain more because I think we all just want to be four to five times more productive. It's, yeah, I mean, every leader wants to be productive, but at some point when you're growing or scaling an organization, you hit the lid of your personal capacity. Right. And then you have the demands of life, 
that happen and you got to fit all that in and you still have to, you know, go out in the market and represent your brand and all these things that become who you are as a founder or as a builder of a business. Mm-hmm. When you decide, hey, there are some lower payoff activities that need to meaningfully be done on my behalf, but I'm going to have that offloaded with my assistant. It just works. And, you know, it might be a day where like my gate breaks or something like that right. at my house. Well, I'm not going to be the one to probably go call them. It's going to be my assistant figuring that stuff out so I can stay focused on the business. Hmm. You know, and my job is to grow an organization the best I can and be a good steward of it. And to be a best steward of it, that means those other things that are lower payoff activities have got to be relegated to somebody that can take care of it. We were driving to Atlanta yesterday and I was telling my team all in the car, I said, you know, I hope there's a point, I can't believe I'm about to say this in a podcast, (laughs) where somebody's actually in my personal closet making sure all the clothes are clean and washed and dry clean and all that kind of stuff. There's probably somebody cooking. And the reason would be because the company would make less money and the team would make less money if I did that stuff myself. That's right. But not only that, it was a leadership team in the car. I want that for every team member. Yeah. I want them to go. No, you can't. It actually kind of ticks me off that you're actually going to get your dry cleaning. Do you realize <laughs> how much money that costs the company that you are going <laughs> to get your dry cleaning? You know what I mean? But it's, yeah, it's, you know, it feels like a luxury. And of course it, it is in some ways. But at the same time, you can't have a happy home life and run a company and run errands. That's right. Once you get to a certain point. There's no longer the excuse, well, this is a luxury. Yeah. It's not true anymore. It's a necessity. It really is. If a lot is on your shoulders. If yeah. you are responsible for a lot of people's well-being, yeah. then you think you have responsibility. I remember reading an article about the Obamas when they first got in the White House. And somebody visited them, a friend visited them, and then three or four years later went back. And she said the biggest difference that she saw was the way they interacted with their team. Hmm. I mean, this is a couple that, you know, he was a state legislature, and then he right. was a senator for a minute. Then he was president. And he's sort of like, oh, you know, let me help clean up the kitchen with you. And then four years later, I was like, no, I'm not going to help clean up the kitchen. We've got (laughs) stuff going on. You could tell he had sort of become president in that time of like, no, this is actually strategically important. for That's a really great example. It really is. If you understand that you are responsible for a lot of people's lives and you're going to have to keep your marriage together, you're going to have to keep everything very healthy, you're going to have to spend time with your kids, there's strategic things you're just not going to be able to do anymore. In time, we say it all the time. Pardon the pun. But I mean, for us, time is something that you can't recreate. And then the more a leader can actually understand their time that it costs them yeah. per hour, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. They just start to oh, go, opportunity oh, cost of you mean I went to go get this dry cleaning and it cost my company $781? It's amazing how when you figure out, a lot of people, they're going to roll their eyes when I say this, but if you actually do it, I think you'd be shocked what your day is worth. Yeah. You just paid $10,000 to go to the drive. That's exactly it. Or something like that. And then you start going, oh, no. And so a leader needs to do that in the early days. I think they need to start to say, what is my time really worth? Right. Okay, the last one on this section, own the company, not run it. Yeah. Seven months into our business, Shannon and I realized that we wanted to own the company, not run the company. And that informed every decision from that point. Okay, so that's sort of an aspirational thing. Yeah. You guys were like, I don't want to be micromanaging this deal. No, we don't want to run a business. We want to own it. And so that means we're going to find great people. We're going to delegate to it. them. Yeah, who run the business. Yeah. yeah. I mean, today she and I are co-CEOs of the business. We have a capable leadership team in place. We have a COO and a CFO, and they kind of run the day-to-day of the business so we can be about the things that are important to grow and scale Belay. Right. But we don't run in the business anymore. The big paradigm shift is, is it somebody's going to take a meeting in your 
place? What were some of the big things that are the difference between owning a business and running it? The definition for us has become the day that the business doesn't need you day to day is when you own it. Ah. And so when you're and required. And you strategically were heading in that direction. Seven months in, I had an argument with a good friend and advisor that started a company in Seattle that he did very well for himself, but we were climbing on the Grand Teton in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And in our tent at 10,000 feet, I mentioned I own my company. And that was seven months into our business. And he said, you don't own anything. And I go, yes, I do. And he goes, no, no, no. You do not own this company right now. It owns you. You need to basically start owning the company and getting other people in here so that they can run it for you. And the day that that happens day to day, then you own it. Yeah. And I was ticked. I was mad. I came down the mountain once we summited, told Shannon, I'm like, we're going to own it. So you it, realized it right then. You're I, like, he was, he's right. He was 100% right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I love about a good advisor. That's interesting because Tim's our producer and he's sitting here. We just had a meeting with Claire Diaz-Ortiz. Remember that? And she used to be an executive at Twitter. And she just said, why is Don here? We were at a workshop that I teach. Yeah. Said, why is he here? Because I'm teaching the workshop. Why else? Whatever. <laughs> you know, you need to fix this <laughs> really quick. And we just whiteboarded all this stuff that I should be doing. And it's stuff that I turned down. You know, it's uh, some influential guy wants to fly over to Russia to meet with some ambassador. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with StoryBrand. Yeah, I, I, mean, I can't do maybe that. one day when you're, you know, president. Yeah. <laughs> or want to be president. That's yeah. when you interact with Russians. That's I right. <laughs> anyway, so you're kind of just like, that doesn't have anything to do with story brand. I can't do that. I can't figure out how that's profitable. For you. And yet those relationships would have cultivated and become something. And for maybe sure. Just, and you just can't chase those pursuits if you're running the company. You can chase them if you're owning the company. That's right. It was a big paradigm shift for me, too. And we're not there yet. We're going to try to head in that direction. I'll be back with the rest of my interview with Brian Miles in just a moment. But before we get back to that, did you know StoryBrand has created free storytelling software? That's right. It's actually software on the internet. I believe it's the greatest storytelling software out there on the internet, period. Now, it's not for writing screenplays or even writing novels. It's for helping you figure out how to communicate your message in such a way that people will listen. It asks you questions like, who is the hero? What are they struggling with? How can you position yourself as a guide in their life? What is your plan to help that hero? What do you want them to do? What do you want them to buy from you that will help them overcome their obstacle? What will their life look like if they do buy your product? What will life look like if they don't? If those questions seem interesting to you, if you think, man, if I had answers to those questions, I would probably sell a lot more product, use our software. You want to go to mystorybrand.com. That's mystorybrand.com. Again, it is completely free and you're going to love it. Go check it out. If you have any interest in story or if you have a vision that you want to pitch to the world and you want people to listen, go to mystorybrand.com. We are here to help. Once you have a personal assistant or some of you already have an assistant and you need to sort of sit down and say, hey, we're going to reimagine this relationship. I would think that conversation is really important. If you already have somebody, you've not been managing that relationship well, you probably need to sit down and say, we're going to reimagine this thing. Yeah. And one of the things, just some really basic stuff, setting up email management, one of the very first things. This is the biggest thing I'm looking forward to because I have my meeting this coming Thursday with my personal assistant that you've set up. I've seen her resume. It's freaking incredible. (laughs) We find some awesome people. Really, what happens, you have 600 virtual assistants. Most of them are women? The lion's share are. The lion's share. Yeah, we also have bookkeepers, and there's more men 
Okay. Uh, so when you and I say she, we're actually referring to people that you know. Yeah. We're not saying They're, all assistants are women. In specific to Belay, those are folks that are mostly college educated here in the United States or on the U.S. with professional backgrounds of some sort that have just decided that they want a more flexible work environment. A lot of them wanted kids, mm -hmm. wanted family, which I love that. I love the fact that my personal assistant can now have a job she loves and also be mm -hmm. a great mom. And I'm not the type to interfere with that. Yeah. So that's going to be really great. Anyway. I'm really looking forward to meeting with her and saying, how in the world do I deal with this email? So have her work on your email. Yeah. So clean it up. Envision an air traffic controller. Okay. You know, you've got flights trying to land from everywhere. Everybody's trying to land in your inbox with something. It's the same thing. You just got to have, you know, order when there's chaos. And so the more that she can be in there working inside your application for however that is, if that's Outlook or Gmail or however you're set up, it's a relief to know that you're being responsive. And we've actually created a nice reputation for being a responsive organization because frankly, it starts with me. Mm -hmm. As an owner, we set the pace for how we're gonna respond. And so we're a highly responsive organization and I don't miss a beat, but not every email that hits my inbox is one that Brian has to answer. Right. And we know that, so we just routed accordingly. And did it take six months or so? Because that's the thing that I'm worried about Yeah, is, oh, somebody wants to get together. we got to figure out how to navigate that, right? Yeah. So she will learn you know, to send an email saying, hey, Don's not available or something like that. But then there's this one that I really do want to get together with right. that I would have said yes to, but I never saw it. In the early days, in the first 90 days, or maybe a little longer, you we're have to, both looking at every you have to over communicate. You can't communicate enough. You have to just... Say, look, there's no dumb question. I don't care when you ask me the question. There's no dumb question. Awesome. Yeah. And just this person's important to me. This person, maybe not as much. This is pivotal because we're going to She do this. begins to know, hey, these are my objectives. These are my interests. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't want to get together with anybody. But of course, the guy drives a NASCAR car. I <laughs> wouldn't want to get together with it. You know, that so, whatever. you know, like a computer has an operating system. And yeah. then, you know, the zero, the closest one in the middle is kind of the things that, you know, immediately are called. So, like, for example, my zeros are my close friends and family. Page knows that. So anything that's that, that's a zero. Right. A one would be like, hey, you know, someone that I need to be building a deeper relationship with or connecting with, they're in the one. They can call me, they can text me, they have access to me. And then you just kind of build out with the twos, threes, fours, and you teach that to your assistant. Like these are the people that it's kind a great of way to say it. it. Zero, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Did you hand her your phone too? Not just email, but does she have access to your phone and can well, answer text messages and those kinds of things? She could. We haven't done that yet. I have a phone line we set up through Grasshopper. It's an extension. It sends an audio file. She listens to that stuff. And then if I get a text message, or excuse me. Um, Wait, so she can listen to your voicemails? That yeah. So okay. on our work, when you dial in and you hit my extension, you find me and you put, you know, hey, gotcha. this is Bob. It's an audio file that goes to her. She listens to it and decides what needs to happen with it. Brilliant. And then, like, if I do get an actual cell phone voicemail, and it's a work-related thing, I just forward it to her as a text. Gotcha. And then she listens to it, takes care of it. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. All right, calendar management. Yeah. We covered this a little bit, but she's in charge of seeing what's going to go on your I'm, calendar. I'm afraid to put anything on my calendar anymore. Are you serious? For fear that I'm going to screw something up, I'm going to double book myself by accident. That's fascinating because there's a book, whoever wrote This Is Your Brain on Music also wrote a book called The Organized Mind. Huh. And he said one of the things that he realized when he was meeting with very high-impact people, I think he said he was meeting with Jimmy Carter. And sitting there in the meeting with Jimmy Carter, somebody came into the meeting and said, Mr. Carter, you know, five minutes, we've got to go. And Jimmy Carter really had no idea, one, that he was going to be in that meeting, and two, <laughs> what the next meeting was. And one of the things he said was really high-impact people job out entire components of their brain. 
Yeah. And part of it is scheduling. Yeah. They know, here's my objectives. You take the meetings you think I need. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me about all of them and we'll move forward. And oh, I thought that's fascinating. Yeah. But what he said was, that's not the amazing thing. He said the amazing thing was Jimmy Carter was fully present, mm-hmm. rested, engaged, very interested, delightful to be with, and not the least bit preoccupied with what's coming next. And I thought that is worth pursuing. That's perfect. Yeah. I really hope that for every leader that's out there. I mean, for me, my assistant knows like, wow, you know, you really are got a lot of calls back to back. And we don't do calls back to back. I typically have a call, I have about a 30 minute break, and then I do another one because the that's reality is- the way is, you're wired. You need, well, because oh, it's going to go a little long. It's going to go a little long, or you may have action items. You may have things that you have to do that are connected to it or a follow-up that you got to kind of orchestrate the next step on or whatever. And plus too, I just, I don't want to do back-to-back calls. My mind needs a mental break. I'm an introvert and- You need a little walk time. I do. Yeah. And so for me, she knows that about me or she knows, you know, we're traveling somewhere and I've got more emails than I should in my inbox that I personally have to respond to. She'll call me and say, hey, I know this causes you stress. Let's jump in. Let's knock out these emails. And so she'll just read them to me. I'll tell her as I'm driving down the road, you know, say this, do that, whatever. And then, you know, I get to the airport and my inbox is back to good. This is going to be good. It's I'm looking forward to this. It's awesome. (laughs) Tim's got his hands up. (laughs) Yes, success. One of the things I hate about my scheduling issues is when I've got something and then I've got a one-hour break, and I've got something else. And in my line of work, and your line of work too, sometimes one hour doesn't allow me to dive back into the book right. and finish that chapter. Yeah. So now I've just got an hour yeah. that I don't know what to do with. Yeah, and that drives me crazy. Okay, to, that's to, a great she, thing. She kind of intuit that for you, because I would actually say, no, give me all my calls in the morning or whatever. Actually, I would say in the afternoon, and make sure I'm free by two, and then nothing after two. I would say, you know, in times like that, pre-decide what you need to do in that time and mm-hmm. then just say, this is what I want to do. So like maybe you have a research folder or things you've got to read, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And maybe it's in that hour and you just know that there's a folder and you're off your inbox. So you just go in and go through those things that are maybe not time oh. urgent, you know, batch, you know, stuff like that as best you can. You actually job out some of your project management. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, right now we're building a place in Florida. And so there are times when, you know, I'll get an invoice from a civil engineer or, you know, the goal is to build the house. Yeah. That's the project. And then there's 87 billion things that have to yeah. happen before you build it. Mm-hmm. And so both professional and personal, she, you know, helps me bird dog certain things like that. Or the interior designer has a question on something, you know. They're talking to her. They're interacting with her, especially from a calendar standpoint. They need a quick call with me. Or there's been times I've been on a webcam. We use Zoom a lot in our business. And she said to me, hey, you look a little shaggy. I scheduled your haircut. I love that. Awesome. You know, my haircuts, yeah. and then I just go where I'm told. And then now she knows, like, I get a haircut about every three to four weeks based on when my person can cut my hair, and yeah. it's all just booked out. That's awesome. Okay. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> Head researcher. Yeah. You know, there are times when... You told I, me the other day, you were walking somewhere in San Francisco. You took a picture of a bird. Yes. You texted it yeah. to your assistant and said, the, find out what kind of bird And she found that's out. That's what it was, yeah. Because <laughs> I wanted to know what that bird was. That's a little bit of a Yeah, that's excess, a leap, right? That's but, a- <laughs> um, no, okay, so there are things like, let's say that my mind's going in a certain direction, and maybe it's a new idea I have, or maybe yeah. I want to see something. I'll just say, hey, spend 30 minutes in that direction of thinking. See if there's an association of people in this industry, because yeah. they seem to need virtual or, assistance. Can you research it? Or, you know, I'm thinking about this type of service, maybe. Just find out if there's even things that are top of mind or top of result. And so it kind of gets me going in the direction, you know, and sometimes it's quite deep in terms of research. 
Like when we were selecting architects, we had her create like a decision matrix. What did we need to filter when we made a good decision on architects? So she's doing a little research, figuring out what you should think about when you're hiring an architect. Yeah. You can send her in the direction that you need to for research in any way. It seems like the instinct is when you're about to start Googling something and research it, you need to ask yourself, should I be doing this? Stop. Or should somebody else be doing this? And a lot of times this is what would be hard. If I had a consulting session with an executive in this area, probably you're going to say, well, I've got time. I should do it. And really, you should be resting. Yeah. You should actually not be doing anything. Yeah. Or you should be going to a movie with the family or you should be whatever. I have a nap on my schedule during the business days. It's you know somewhere between 1 and 2.30. I only need about 30, 45 minutes, but that's carved out every day as a block on my calendar. Yeah. I need it. Yep. You know, I power through in the morning. I grind through stuff. I you need that more middle done. break. And then she just knows it. it's on the calendar. Protected time for Brian. Like... It's just going to be that way. And yeah. I'll tell you, we just interviewed Daniel Pink, who has a book coming out right when yours. I think his comes out on the 9th, January 9th. The yeah. new book comes out on January yeah. 9th. Anyway, he talks about you know when to do things, and he goes into when to take your nap, when to get rest. Yeah, you're reminding me of that. Well, I need it. My mind is always going, and I need it to have a little bit of a break, and then I can keep going in the afternoon. And Winston Churchill, during the war, he'd get up in the morning really early. He'd work an eight-hour day. He'd basically have a nice meal. He'd take a full bath. He'd take a full nap and then go up and work another eight hours. And he was able to just kind of reset and work twice as hard. Well, Winston Churchill. Well, yeah. yeah go figure. <laughs> so so one well. thing I want to say, though, about travel in particular is I hear leaders yeah, say, Yeah, because that's well, the last one is travel. Yeah. She needs to be booking your travel. Yeah. So here's the thing. Oftentimes, leaders like to hang on to travel. And the reason why we figured out, it's not because they necessarily like the aisle seat, you know, I mean, the variables are there. You can pick them and it's easy. The reason why they like doing their travel still, and they don't hand that off is because they like the sense of completion. Hmm. Most leaders are solving problems that are three, six, yeah, nine yeah. months in the making. They or never more, feel yeah. like they complete something. So if the middle of the day, they can book a flight. Ah, it may be something else like mow your yard, whatever, because, <laughs> because it's a sense of completion. You feel it. And in a world as a leader, you otherwise don't feel it. Yeah. And so it's like a drug. It's like, I just, oh, I got that checked off. That's true. I'm not giving up the drug of mowing my lawnmower. <laughs> Glass of whiskey and a riding lawnmower. Yeah. That's my happy place. Well, that, I mean, that, that could be therapy. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, there but there, there, are, rest. there are things are, though, like whatever that thing is that you know, like, I really shouldn't be doing this. Once you really understand the value of your time, it's because you like a sense of completion, then you need to offload that. Okay, so things your assistant should be doing, they should be managing your email, they should be managing your calendar, they should be managing your projects. By the way, I'm looking forward to one person managing my calendar because right now I have three. <laughs> yeah. I don't manage my own calendar, really. I'm one of the people who can stick something onto my calendar. Yeah, you're about to enjoy a new level of freedom with your calendar. Project management, head researcher, they should be booking your travel and then also buying gifts. This is huge for me. Yeah. Personal and professional? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my mom, her favorite colors are yellow and purple. It's going to take me about 15 minutes to find something cool in a price range, or I can have my assistant find it for her. I love that. Resolved. When you just get a bunch of pictures in your email saying which one you want to order for. Yeah. I think about that with any professional relationship. Even now, you're doing some stuff with us here at your house. Right. We're going to drive away, not to let the cat out of the bag. We're going to send you something. I already know what that something is. I don't need to research this. You need to go buy this and make sure it gets there. Yeah, you know, generosity is an important part of a business. Yeah. I think that demonstrates the heart of, you know, the gratitude in a corporation. And the more that you do that, the better. But, you know, those gifts, it's time consuming yeah. to do it meaningful. You know, so 
I have my assistant looking up for all sorts of stuff. This was fascinating to me, Brian. You told me she writes your letters or, you know, thank you cards, things yeah. like that. You wrote out the, the alphabet, alphabet. Mm -hmm. and you sent it to her and she emulates your handwriting. Yeah. So if there's, you know, things where we want to be personal, you know, in a specific handwritten note or whatever. I just said, well, you can learn my handwriting. And I just took a picture of the alphabet, texted it to her, and all of a sudden, People are getting cards that look like they're from me. They're my words. I mean, it's sincere stuff, but the time to do it. So you just email, hey, yeah. so good getting together with you. Really loved meeting your family. And then she uses your handwriting and yep. does that. Event planning. Yeah. So last I mean, night you catered a meal. Yeah. We, had we, we were a all great at. meal that I'm not even sure how it all got done, but some guy showed up right on time. It was paid for. And we had a great, you know, bunch of Mexican food. You yeah. Know, you're not army. researching that. <laughs> this is the last one. Anticipating. Your needs. needs. Now, this yeah. is the difference between, I would think you'd have to hire the right person because there's certain people who are just going to do what they're told and there's certain people who are going to think yeah. they're going to do great things for you, but they're also going to anticipate what you might need before you ever need it, yeah. for instance. Well, for me, this is the difference between an okay assistant and a rock star assistant. Right. It's this thing that you learn by learning your leader, the person you work with, like this might cause stress or there's no way that's going to work on the calendar or that doesn't sound right. So she's also kind of my eyes and ears too. You know, hey, I heard something, you might wanna check that out. But the truth is when you anticipate needs, you're looking for things that are gonna cause friction in your day. And she just does that. So for example, hey, you seem like you're really kind of booked out on that Thursday. I went ahead and moved that three o'clock call you had scheduled to Monday when you're more fresh because you know it's important meeting and I just want to make sure you're all set up for it and your mind is in the right place. That is a gift of an assistant that can truly anticipate your needs. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a gift. Yeah, that really is. Actually, I want to hit one more point. You blend the personal and professional. You made sure your assistant knew yeah. that the two are not mutually exclusive. No, I'm one person. Right. And I have a lot going on. There's a lot of people who would say, oh, I can't hand that to my assistant. That's, that's family vacation yeah. stuff. I can't hand that to her. Yeah, that's old school dogma. Right there. I mean, that's corporate America policy from the 80s and 90s that... But these days, it's all blended. don't need to. You and bring then, your computer home, you just brought your office home. Yeah, and the truth is, I'm thinking about my business at four in the morning or you know, when I'm at the dentist appointment. You can't compartmentalize yourself as a leader. Right. Just can't. You know, There's just things going on that you have to focus in, and there are times you need to be fully present with your kids playing at Uno. And so for me, you've got to find somebody that can appreciate that and realize that you're a better person holistically when all of those things are organized and firing on all cylinders. How do you take care of your assistant? I would imagine she's taking care of you yeah. on and on and on. There's got to be some sort of nourishment loop going the other direction too. There is. That a lot of us have to, not have to. To me, it's like I, I, you know, one of the people on our staff, Betsy just had a recent surgery, a minor surgery sort of thing, and somebody's wife on our staff took care of us, brought some stuff by, and said, you know, you guys do such a good job taking care of us, at least we could do it. And when she said that, I thought, what do you mean we take care of you? You guys all take care of us all day. You know, it's the least we can do to give something back. Right. The street goes both ways. But I it would does. imagine with yeah. your assistant, you treat her a little bit differently in terms of also taking care of her. Yours is virtual. So mm -hmm. give us some tips on things that you've done to really help her out. Well, for one is I say please and thank you, even though I've been working with there her for, for five yeah. years. Yeah. She's still a person that needs to hear that. Yeah. And so there's not a day that you goes stop by. saying please and thank you, and that relationship's done. Yeah. In about then two it months. becomes like you become a slave, and that's not what I want. Right. You meet a lot of me monsters that are out there as leaders that treat their teams like crap, and it's because they failed to say please and thank you, and over time because they took them for you know 
granted. And I just don't do that. So you're still going to hear please and thank you for me. There are times I'll ask for something and I'll see like it makes her feel uncomfortable. It's not anything immoral. It's because maybe Can you take that's... this meeting with the professional wrestler for me. He yeah. scares me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the Waffle House. Can you, uh, can you do jury duty for me? No, it's things like maybe that's outside of her wherewithal, her experience. Right. And so when I see that, it creates kind of attention. I say, you know what? Let me, like, there were a couple of things I offloaded to her, like with building this place down in mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah. That I'm like, you know, I really need to do that. I ask you to do too much. Right. And so you got to be Just know. mindful be of aware. that. You know, asking, like, we were on Zoom a ton, you know, so we can see each other. I'm like, you know, it sounds like you have a cold today. Are you okay? Do you need to take the day off? And the other thing too is I'm proactive with her. You know, she'll send me a thing saying, hey, I got to drop the kids off at school. They've got a cool Christmas party. I'm going to stay for that. Awesome. And I just leave her alone, you know, because she needs to focus in on that and what's important to her and her family. Because I value that for me. I want that for her too. So I don't expect her to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And I give her that courtesy. And then I also... I've taught her like our financials, like why these things are important. You know, I gave her a baseline understanding of why these things are important. And that's probably something that I would suggest we finish with. Okay. The why of a task is far more important than the task itself. Fascinating. Okay. So you got to stop and say, hey, this is why I want to take this meeting with this specific person because yeah. I have a heart for this. Take the time. Don't assume they know. And the why trumps the what every single time because if they know the why behind something, when you're not around, they can fill in the blank. Right. And we've just figured out that you delegate the why more than the what. Hmm. And it works. Now, sometimes you have to get granular because you know the next step or whatever. But the truth is we're growing something of, you know, a meaning. And the why is very important. Hey, this is why I need to take this call. This is why I need this nap. This is why I need you to email this way. This is why I need you to do this handwritten card. This is why I need you to do travel. And they know the why behind things. As a grown adult, they can take care of the task themselves and produce the result you're looking for. Brian, thanks so much. Free Thank plug you. for your business. You've not paid us at all. No. BelaySolutions.com. You can get started with a virtual assistant 10 hours a week. Yes. Just 10 hours a week. So that's what I'm doing to start. I have a feeling it's going to go to 40 in about <laughs> 30 minutes. But I'm thinking, really, I'm hiring somebody to write thank you cards, make sure they get gifts. And already I'm going, boy, it really would be great if she would sort of handle that research assistant and make sure she's interacting with them and we get scheduled. Already it's starting to it's happen. It's weapons grade execution. That's what you do. You sell the 10 hours cheap and then just like a drug. It's That's crazy how that business. works. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, this is incredibly helpful. Thank you. Thank you. JJ, are you salivating? Are you jealous? I definitely, <laughs> trust me. I've been, I have a feeling a, all of our executives are going to have a Well, and assistant. I just want one personally, like to help me organize I'm not my paying life. for that. Well, yeah, you are. But <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> no, I definitely, at some point, I will be engaging Belay with I found their it services. incredibly helpful. Yeah. I mean, even if you do have to pay for it yourself, and I'm not talking about you here, even if you're like, well, my company won't pay for that because it's really a personal thing, how much more would you get yeah. Out of somebody giving you 10 hours yeah, a week to help amazing. you with your correspondence, your scheduling. Just the other day, somebody's coming to town. I knew they're coming to town. I knew we had to get dinner. I just emailed Melissa and said, hey, can you get us a reservation at a great restaurant? It's taken care of. Gifts to people. Can you send this children's book to this person who's just had a baby? It's just really, really a nice thing. Lots of ways you can interact. Hey, by the way, Brian Miles is going to come back on the podcast because he has written a book called Virtual Culture. And even though we're talking about getting a personal assistant and Brian can help you get a personal assistant, his company, Belay, doesn't have an office. Yeah. They have 60-something corporate employees, 450 freelance assistants, 
and they don't have an office, yeah. not a single office. He works out of his dining room table. Amazing company culture. And I think there's some sort of award-winning yeah. company culture. I can't yeah. remember the magazine. They gave him the award for company culture, and they don't have a building. Yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to talk me. I'm, you know, We're looking for commercial property here, and he's saying, don't do he's it. Like, don't be dumb. <laughs> and, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, that's hard. To... So I'm going to read his book and figure yeah. it out. But the book is actually out now. We're going to bring him back to talk about virtual culture. The book is called Virtual Culture. It's by Brian Miles. If you want more people to work from home and you want to know how to keep them productive and keep morale high and keep team unity going, you got to check out Brian's book. It's called Virtual Culture. And congratulations to you, Brian, for finishing a book and getting it out there. My new book, Building a Story Brand, is out now. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. If you are confused about what you offer, if you would like to figure out how to talk about what you offer in such a way that everybody you talk to says, that sounds interesting, tell me more, you want to get the book, Building a Story Brand. There's a good chance that just your message, just clarifying your message, is that final piece of the puzzle that makes everything snap together and helps your company grow. The book, Building a Story Brand, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy books. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. 